people. Now, it is time for some legal advice and joining us uh, to do just that is Sharon Cahar of Cahar and Co Solicitors, who is on the line now. Good morning to you, Sharon. Good morning, Anne. How are you? Uh, very well. Thanks very much for joining us. So, uh, you want to talk about end-of-life decisions. Um, Sharon, why, why is this becoming so topical? Well, I, I suppose we've been hearing about it for a long time in relation to the advanced healthcare um, um, directive that's going to be coming in place um, um, when the new Capacity Act comes in. We have now been given... Um, a date for the introduction of the new um, Capacity Act. So the relevance of all of the parts of the Act that we have been waiting for since 1915, since, 19, since 2015, is, is, is going to be really important because the introductory date we've been given is the 26th of April. So after Easter, at a point, this new Act, the Assisted Decision-Making Capacity Act, um, initially meant to come in in 2015, is now coming in. So that's the importance of beginning now to put out the information and educate the community in relation to, I suppose, the advanced way in which this particular act is going to help in relation to capacity and people making their own decisions. Okay, so very, very big issues. And the importance of people making their own decisions can't be understated. No, I mean, why this is so important is that for Ireland, it's a big step for us because with what will be termed the AHD, the Advanced Healthcare Directive, it's going to be a document that will set out your instructions in relation to healthcare treatments should you wish to to refuse particular treatments or in fact, if you'd like to request particular treatments in the future at a time that you may no longer have capacity. So what's really important is that we, we, we talk about death, but what we don't do and enough talking about are situations where we may lose our capacity, particularly in situations where we might be hospitalised and we may not be able to speak for ourselves. So that's the importance is that at the moment in Ireland we're talking about Alzheimer's, dementia, that third act um, um, stage of life where we may not have capacity and we're very cognizant of that. What we're not talking as much about is when we're in hospital perhaps or we've been taken short with some illness or some accident and then we don't have the capacity but we're at a stage in our life perhaps where were we to think about it in advance we might know whether an end-of-life decision might be something that we would empower those loved ones around us to make. Uh, so, can you tell us more uh, about it, Sharon, in terms of a, a practical review? Because, it, as, as you say, th- these are conversations that every family should be having. Yeah, I, I mean, again, if we think in law, the really simple thing is that anybody over the age of 18 has a right to make a decision for themselves. They have a contractual right at the age of 18. Under 18, you're a minor. Now, you know, it's not that we're encouraging people to start thinking at that early age of change, uh, you know, of changes that might happen in their life, but it's a really practical thing for families to have, particularly as people age as well, that there are younger people within the family all the way ages down 50, 40, 30, 20, you know. So so having these conversations makes sense because it's never in the first conversation or the first awareness that the decisions come out of. So the big issue here is really, um, it's really education. It's really about having more of these conversations. Um, I make a lot of presentations to older age groups, you know, the probus, um, um, you know, um, in particular, because these are actually, these are people who are actively aging, who are having these conversations. And 
some of the topics are very real. But within families, we have different demographics and different age groups, which of interest, you know, the topics are there because many families sit around the table. We may have political conversations. We may have healthcare conversations. Um, In general, I suppose we're, 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 we're encouraging more and more families have more and more conversations about things. This is one in particular that's going to be very new in Ireland. It will be fraught with some complexities because within a family, people may have different views as to the decisions that are even being made by parents or older members of the family. So the more that we engage with people around us, the very people who would be making decisions for us and perhaps with us, then people are clearer as to what we want. In relation to the the, the advanced healthcare directive, there's going to be no necessity to go to a lawyer or a solicitor to make one. It's going to be a straightforward document that you can decide in it. For example, do not resuscitate. For example, if somebody's ill and they're choosing that at a certain point, they may not want to be continually resuscitated if it wasn't going to give them a quality of life, then they're decisions you need to make when you have capacity for a time that when you when you don't. But the importance at the very early stages is I am recommending, as most solicitors would, because again, the solicitors are learning the same as the community in relation to this new document, this new process, and how it will arise that if you empower somebody in your family, the decision-making person that you will appoint to speak to the healthcare team for you, is that the importance is that they would know exactly what you want. If you're filling these forms, it needs to be really clear as to what your intention is, and equally so, who is the person that you would be empowering. And I say that with the view that there will be some complexities because it's new to medical teams as well. Heretofore, medical teams would say, we'll speak to the next of kin. Well, who's the next of kin? Who did you put down? Did you put anyone down? Who's the assumed person as being the next of kin? And is there a conflict between people because maybe there are two or three people who want to be seen as the next of kin to make that decision? Can they make it together? Is there a conflict between them? We already have that playing out in many situations. And now we have a document that can empower somebody. So the importance of utilising the document when the Act comes in, making it clear, people being informed and educated, will mean perhaps there's less conflict. But certainly for the person who wants to make this decision, and give direction, it certainly sends out very clearly what they want and who they want to speak for them, which which elevates that particular person that might be stuck in conflict here before to be able to say, yes, I am the appointed healthcare designated representative and I am speaking for whether mom, dad and uncle, sister, brother, whoever it might be. Uh, is there anything else important in relation to this, Sharon, that you, you want to highlight? Well, I think... Look, the, the, the bigger thing, I think, in saying when the Capacity Act, and I will be, talk, be talking about the Capacity Act quite a lot because it's new to everybody, but it's quite revolutionary here in Ireland in relation to providing for people without capacity. So the new act that's coming is going to be dealing with vulnerable people who cannot make decisions for themselves, whether older or younger. The new process by which documents can be put in place to support people who can't make their own decision or need assistance to make decisions. And then we have people who are wards of court that every one of every one of those cases, every single person who's now a ward of court over the next three years from the 26th of April, their file will be reviewed. They will no longer be kept as a ward of court for that court function is going, they will now come under the new act where they will be assessed and then it will be decided whether or not 
they need someone to make the decision for them or perhaps they have some capacity and there are some decisions they can make for themselves and equally so then in relation to to providing for capacity in the future when you may not have it whether it's by illness and it's an enduring power of attorney or whether it's end of life decisions then these are the things where there's a huge amount of education to be passed out to be able to become more aware know what the opportunities are for them to speak for themselves, particularly as they age or they get infirm um, mentally or, 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 or physically, we need to provide for all of these. People can't take advantage of the new legislation unless they're aware. So that's really the biggest message I have this morning is that as of the 26th of April, we're now told this act will come into law. There's a huge support for the community, particularly in relation to providing for your personal capacity going forward in the event you weren't as cognizant as you are today. But the provision needs to be made where you're well enabled and you have that cognitive capacity if you want to put situations in place to provide for yourself going forward. Okay, we do have to leave it there. But my thanks for joining us, Sharon Carr there from Carr and Co-Solicitors. It is